But let's dive into God's Word and uh, read together from Matthew 13. And we're going to read the first 23 verses uh, today. So Matthew 13, reading from verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, come to think about uh, this passage together this morning, we pray in the words of Jesus that we would be uh, people uh, who hear who see, who perceive and understand. And so that, Lord, that 
we might truly uh, know uh, and believe what you want us to know and believe about you and what you have done for us in your son, Jesus, and that, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would give us hearts to respond. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a board game that's been on the uh, market for a, a while now. It's a bit like uh, Trivial Pursuit. You might own a copy, or if not, you've certainly probably seen it. It's called Mind Trap. And it works like this. Uh, there's a little pile of cards, and each card has got a story on it, a mystery story. Uh, and everyone else has got a play detective and solve the mystery. And we're going to have a go this morning. I'm going to give you uh, two... Um, of these uh, stories to have a bit of a look at. You might have a bit of a competition at home, see if you can figure these ones out. Here's the first one. A black dog stands in the middle of an intersection in a town painted black. None of the street lights are working due to a power failure caused by a local storm. A car with two broken headlights drives towards the dog, but turns in time to avoid hitting him. How could the driver have seen the dog in time? Here's the answer. Luckily for the dog, it was daylight. Do you get the, the way it works? You've got to really think about these things. You get all the clues and you think, oh yeah, how's this possible? But it's quite simple. Here's the next one. This one's for those who may be hopefully not too spatially challenged. Um, six glasses are in a row. The first three are filled with juice and the last three are empty. By moving only one glass, can you arrange them so that the full and the empty glasses alternate? How'd you go? Pour the juice from the second glass into the fifth glass. Okay, the thing that they've all got in common is their mysteries. And when you hear them, at first they don't seem to quite make any sense until you start asking the right questions. And I guess like any of these kinds of things, some people don't cotton on to this game at all. They just get irritated and they walk away. But when you figure it out, it can be a bit of a buzz actually working your way through all these kinds of things. Well, I'm not saying that Jesus is playing mind trap here in Matthew chapter 13, but it's pretty close. If you can think back to what we just read in Matthew 13, he's telling mystery stories, and he's certainly got everyone guessing. The mystery stories are called parables. They're stories with a meaning, and some people get them, and some people don't. There's a common idea around that Jesus used parables to help people understand, to make his teaching easy. But the surprising fact is here, in Jesus' own words, it's actually the opposite. In fact, the parables actually hide things. They're actually a test to find out who wants to listen, who really wants to know the answer. And because of that, the disciples, well, Jesus, well, they're a bit peeved. And if you have a look at, uh, at verse 10, you'll see uh, what they're saying. Uh, the disciples have just come to him and they say, how come? They say, what's the big idea of talking in riddles all the time? How come you're speaking to the people in parables? 
The crowds uh, listening to Jesus that morning were so big, he had to get in a boat and push off from the shore and speak from the boat with everyone else standing back on the shore. It's a huge mob of people. And instead of spelling it out, instead of just dishing up what he's on about in clear and simple language, well, Jesus is playing games and the disciples want to know why. And so Jesus says this in verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He says, it's just like Isaiah said in the Old Testament. And he quotes here from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And he's talking about the people of Israel. Who are the people that he's come to call back to their God? And he says, the problem is they don't want to listen. And the reality, he says, is that they never really did. Isaiah says, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. And I'd heal them. See what he's saying? He's come to a bunch of people with hard, calloused hearts, with hard, calloused ears, with hard, calloused eyes. He's come to people who are so hardened, people who are so stubborn, people who are so fixed in their ways that they're not really going to listen to a word that he says. People who don't want to play mind trap because they just can't be bothered trying to figure out what the answers to the clues are. Now, if you're a guitar player, calluses on your fingers can be a good thing. Makes it a lot easier to move your um, fingers up and down the fretboard and really uh, grab it hard on, the, on, the, on the, uh, the bits that you want to hold down. And you can play as much as you like. And you don't really feel much of a thing. Your skin gets thicker and you're desensitised to it. And often that's one of the ways you can pick an experienced guitar player from someone who's just beginning is by the calluses on their fingers. Jesus is talking about people here with experience. But in this case, it's experience in not listening to God. So much practice that they've mastered the art of shutting him out completely. And what the parables are going to do is sort them out. Show very clearly the ones who are going to respond to God's word and the ones who aren't. The ones who are going to listen to Jesus and follow him and the ones that won't. The parables are going to sift out the ones who will get to know the secrets of the kingdom of God and the ones who won't. And we're going to see that's exactly what this first parable here in Matthew 13 is all about. It's a kind of like a parable about parables. And if the people of Israel were meant to see themselves in it, maybe you'll see yourself in it as well. Well, we're going right back to the start of the chapter, verse 3. The scene's been set. We're down by the Sea of Galilee. Crowds around the shore and uh, Jesus, because there's so many people, has gone out in a boat in, uh, to, to face them from the boat uh, on the shore. 
And he tells them many things in parables. Here's the first one, a story about a farmer. And he goes out to sow his seed. He's doing it in the old-fashioned way. It's called broadcasting. He's walking around with his seed bag strapped around his waist and he's sprinkling the seed with his hand. And as he does it, some of the seed is falling around his feet along the rocky, hard path and the birds are swooping down behind him and are eating it up as fast as it falls on the ground. Some of the seed falls just off the path, the places where there's just a little bit of topsoil and no depth. And after a few days, the seed springs up in the shallow soil and it looks promising. But when the summer sun gets hot, says Jesus in verse 6, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The little green shoots that look so promising are now just a bunch of wilted, little brown, droopy, dead plants. And this farmer guy keeps walking, keeps throwing out the seed. Some of it falls in the prickly patch, it falls among thorns, and so the seed grows, and of course the thorns grow as well, all competing for the same sunshine and the same water and the same patch of soil. And I don't know about your place, but what happens here is exactly like my backyard. The thorns and the weeds grow up and they choke the plants. I don't know why it is, but I seem to be an expert weed grower. It's pretty easy. Um, and now you notice so far, there's not much of a crop here. But here's the good news. Verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or 30 times what was sown. End of story. Work it out. He who has ears says Jesus, let him hear. Now, you've probably heard that parable a hundred times before. And it's got that familiar ring about it. But I want you to put yourself in the place of the crowd and the disciples and see how you'd go. I mean, Without Jesus' explanation that we heard a little bit later on, what's it all about? I mean, it's a simple little story, but it's obviously got some sort of message to it. So what is it? I mean, is the farmer meant to be Jesus or someone else? And what's the seed? And, well, on it goes. And so in verses 10 to 17, you've got the disciples coming to Jesus complaining, well, it's all a little bit too hard. You know, why are you talking in these riddles, asking him to tell us, spell it out for us? Which is exactly what he does in verses 18 to 23. What's it all about? Well, it's about the message of the kingdom and it's about the way that message is received. It's all about the way Jesus has been preaching around Israel and how the people of Israel have responded in other words, it's a parable about how different people hear and respond to the word of God. Which, of course, means it's a parable about you and me as well. So you want to know a secret? The secret of the kingdom of heaven? Here it is. It's a kingdom that starts with the word of God. It's a kingdom that starts with people like you and me hearing the call to repent, to turn back to God and to be part of his kingdom. 
Mightn't seem like much, just a seed. And with some people, they just hear it and ignore it. Nothing happens. They don't understand. And Jesus says, when anyone hears the message of the kingdom and it does not understand it, in verse 19, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown on the path. Then there's the rocky soil, verses 20 and 21. And you get some uh, people, there's a head rush of enthusiasm, and then it all burns off. Great starters, bad finishes. Maybe that's you. Or the thorns and the prickles. You've been involved, you've been enthusiastic, but somehow the realities of life just choke it out. Maybe opposition or tough times when you've been disappointed with God. Or maybe just carried away by the overwhelming desire to be comfortable. The seed choked by the weeds and prickles. And Jesus says, look around. Look at Israel. He's preaching And so very few are actually listening and responding. If you think back to chapter 12, um, you'll see at this point that the opposition's been growing. In fact, they're all starting to to line up to deal with this guy. Ultimately, they're they're plotting to, to kill him. But of course, the news isn't all bad. Some of these people will actually hear and believe because with some the seed takes root and it grows and grows and before long there's a whole new kingdom ready to take the place of the Israel that says no which again is exactly the way that Isaiah put it it's the same chapter that uh, Jesus was, was quoting from before Isaiah 6 where Isaiah says they're deaf and blind that they don't want to hear and see That Israel is like a little kid covering its eyes and ears. He says, there's going to be a seed that grows. Even though the place is decimated, the seed will sprout into something new. This is Isaiah 6 verse 13. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So Jesus says, some people hear and ignore. Some have a great rush of enthusiasm that eventually burns out. But there'll always be some where the word takes root and grows in a way that's quite magnificent. And the seed is planted and it grows and produces seed and it grows and it produces seed and it grows over and over again. And it's been happening for 2,000 years now. And that's why you and I are here, whether we're actually physically in the building at Epping or whether we're sitting in our lounge rooms participating that way this morning. We are God's gathered people. And it's going to keep happening. And the kingdom is going to keep growing. 
And just like the other little parables say here in chapter 13, like a 10-foot mustard tree that from that tiny little seed, like yeast working its way through a batch of dough, like a crop of wheat growing amongst weeds, until finally harvest day comes. And the ones who have listened to the word, the ones who have taken it in, the ones who are followers of Jesus are going to be sorted and sifted out from all the rest and they're going to shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. And whether or not that's talking about you depends on one thing. The group you're standing in depends on what you do with the word of God that's been sown in you. Jesus says there are people who hear without hearing. There are people who see without seeing. Um, any of you who've had um, kids, and in particular uh, sons, uh, you know what it's like, don't you? I'm going to tell a story about my brother this morning. He's um, almost 50 now. He, doesn't, I don't have his permission to tell the story, and in one sense it doesn't really matter because this is a story that belongs to almost any bloke, I think. Most women say it's a genetic thing. It's all to do with X and Y chromosomes, and I'm sure you've had the same thing at your house. My brother has lost his shoes. He's probably about 15 or 16 at this point. And so he says to his mother, Mum, I can't find my shoes. And Mum says, Look in your bedroom. And Alan says... I've looked in my bedroom. And she says, look in your bedroom again. And he goes in and he looks in his bedroom again and he yells from his bedroom, they're not here. And mum walks into his bedroom and I'm sitting out in the lounge room and, you know, if I had a watch, I'd time it and it'd be a couple of seconds. Quoting exactly here, she picks his shoes up from under a couple of phantom magazines or comics on the floor and she says, Alan Harris, sometimes your blindness astounds me. There they were, plain as the nose on his face, and he just couldn't see it for looking. Now, some mums might say it's because he's a boy. I won't go that far, maybe. But Jesus says there are going to be people who are exactly like that when it comes to the kingdom of God. It was like that back then. It's like it right now, right there in front of you, and you don't even see it. You hear the message over and over again. You've heard the claims of Jesus Christ. You've got a sneaking suspicion. Maybe there's something in it. And what have you done with it? Are you the sort of person who just hasn't understood the soil and the path where the seed hasn't even taken root? Maybe you've heard it, but before you've got round to doing anything about it, something snatches it away. And Jesus says that something is the evil one, the devil. Or maybe you're the sort of person who's had the initial burst of enthusiasm, but there's no real root there, rocky soil. Maybe you lasted till the heat was on, a bit of opposition, a bit of disappointment, and so as shooting plants go, you're browned off, and that's that. Maybe you've had other Christians disappoint you. Maybe you've hit a tough patch. Things not going the way you hoped. It's a real soil test, isn't it? 
I've had the privilege of spending time in the last couple of weeks with two Christian families who are going through the toughest of times. And let me tell you, tough times don't have to shrivel your faith at all. In fact, I've been humbled to spend time with Christians with the sort of faith that actually gets deeper with the tough times. Maybe you're in the weedy patch. You've heard the word, you've accepted it, but life's busy, isn't it? And it's tough. There's work to worry about and sport and paying off this and paying off that. Or when you get past that stage, just the time it takes to find some spare time to yourself to lie back and enjoy it. You can't afford the time to get serious about the kingdom of God, to get serious about growing as a Christian. All this other stuff is so important and so pressingly urgent that it chokes out all of the growth and you're unfruitful. What Jesus is looking for is a sort of soil where the word takes root and bears fruit. People without the calluses on their ears and hearts, people who don't just hear and ignore, but who hear understand, grow, and then produce more seed and more seed and more seed. Don't you just love it when people tell you secrets? Well, they don't come any better than this one, the secret of the kingdom of God. It's all yours. All you need to do is to hear it and respond by repenting and believing the good news. The seed has been sown. So what soil are you? The seed has been sown. You've heard the word of God. So what are you going to do with it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that... uh, You love us so much. You sent your one and only son into this world to be our saviour. That Lord, that he came 2,000 years ago preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And Lord, so many people came out to see a miracle worker and to hear something of the teaching. And yet so many did not ultimately respond with uh, faith and trust and repentance. Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, that we will respond to you by turning away from sin, instead repenting and turning to your son Jesus and placing our faith and trust in him, faith to live our lives for you now and faith to know that our sins are forgiven and that we have eternal life and that one day in trusting in Jesus, that we will have um, eternal life with you. Lord, help us to be the good soil that responds to you with faith and obedience. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.